What will God do next? What will God do next? I'm so proud of you, Church Project, and especially the last four weeks as we've actively held indifference to God, saying, God, move us, take us where you want us to go. What will God be next? Church, I'm excited to be able to announce right now as we've been moving into this, this Mason Event Center um, the, four weeks ago that we are now officially going to be staying here in this building. And so four weeks ago, um, we said we're going to come over here and we're going to see what God may be doing at this event center. And I got to tell you this, change is difficult, isn't it? Change is difficult. And being a body of Christ is even more difficult. Like we've all got our own personalities. We've got our own ways that we see things. Music might be too loud. It might be too soft. I thought Matt rocked, huh? Didn't he do a great job? I mean, I'm deaf, but Matt, awesome, dude. We have our preferences, west side, east side, north side, south side. All I know is the gospel came and went to the ends of the world, and it found its way to Greeley, Colorado, amen? Like, change can be difficult. We've come into this place. There's new parking. It's a new building. There's new patterns to our life that we've had to come up with. Um, we've had some amazing things happen here already. I mean, I wasn't there, but I saw the, uh, the women's tea. <laughs> I snuck in for a second. That was amazing. Church, that was amazing to see that. First Wednesday, if you were here this Wednesday, uh, no one should have been here. It was too cold and, and, and snowy outside. But Jason and Jared shoveling the walk so we could come here, and worship was insane, wasn't it? Like, first Wednesday was so good in this place. The spirit of worship there was amazing. And this morning, this morning, like, the anointing, can you feel the anointing of the spirit in this place, church? So our elders, our job, the elders of Church Project, our job is to recognize where God is leading and to adjust. So the best way I can show that is this, like, the spirit of God. And where the spirit of God is just pouring down, we want to be right there. I kind of think of the Israelites as, as God led them through the desert as he's taken them to different places. Like our job as Christians, and especially as elders of Church Project, is to see and sense where God and his spirit is moving and to adjust accordingly. We know this as, as elders. We've met the last couple weeks couple times last week, we know this, this is what we can agree on, like our time at Dayspring is, is over. We all sense that, we all say that, we said four weeks ago we come here, something cool has happened, we know that. And we recognize that the anointing on, on church project, since we've moved to this building, has nothing to do with the building, has everything to do with sensing what God is doing in, in, in and amongst us as church project. We want to be under the anointing of God in our lives. We recognize that. But we also recognize as elders that change presents new obstacles that we have to figure out. For some of you, it may be loud. For some of you... The Project Kids area may need a little attention. I agree. Our parking, we may have to walk further than we've ever done before. 
So we know that it's not day spring, and we know that the Spirit has been moving us here, and we want to align as elders. We also know that this building has some things that we need to figure out as well. We also sense that church project is growing, and soon this building won't even be able to hold us all. Is that a bad thing? To see what God's doing and to follow his anointing? Our elders have said, this is what it's for. And so we, as elders, are actively praying and we're seeking. We go, God, this is, we know, this is what you're doing right here. What does the future look like? Have you seen it? I haven't. We say we're a church of people that follow Jesus and love the mission of Jesus in this world. And we want to follow that out and live that out together. We also say we're a project. We're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be. Like we've never been church tomorrow morning. And as we go into change, man, we have one or two opportunities. One, to see what God's doing and to align ourselves under the anointment and celebrate going into the unknown, saying, God, we want to follow you. Or to resist change and miss the blessing in our life. Church, what do you want? Like, I want to be under the anointing of God and what he's doing. So we're here. We're excited to see what God's going to do here. And as elders, we're going to continue to pray and to seek that we would continually be following the spirit of God. And here's the deal. Like, we're just the elders. You're the church. We need you to actively do the same. To be praying and saying, God, what do you have for our little body called Church Project? Like, what do you have for us? So, church, I'm super pumped to just say again, next week, we're going to be here. And the week after that, If God chooses to keep us alive, we'll probably be here too. And if you're okay with change, and if you're okay with pushing into the unknown and aligning ourselves with what God is calling us to be and do, welcome home. Like, this is it. And so, church, my prayer for each and every one of us is that we would overlook some of the things that really is kind of hard or different and change stuff. I get it. I've got them too. I'm getting older. I'm getting really picky, right? My prayer is that each of us would hold this thing called church loosely. We would make it the main thing, which is about Jesus. It's about his church, and it's about growing this thing together. I would like it if, if we're going to jump into the message here in a minute. If you have your version Bible app on your phone, just pull that out. Um, you can search the events our, our notes are on there as well. I'd encourage you to save those events so when you go to house church, you can read and talk about those notes together on version. But I would like us to stand right now as we read the scripture for today. We're moving into the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles out in the little walk-in area. That's our gift to you. You can have that or, of course, the free Bible app. But follow along, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. 
Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in that providence of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Amen, church. Would you please just close your eyes and reflect and pray here. God, thank you for your scripture. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for bringing us here today. God, where has tradition and religion silenced the spirit in our life? God, what do you want to awaken in us today? God, I pray that you would show each of us where is your spirit moving in our lives? God, we ask this question in our lives. What will God do next? Church, I encourage you just to take a few moments and reflect on these questions and let the Spirit just speak to you. God, what will you do next? In our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, and in our church. God, what will you do next in downtown Greeley? What will you do next in Greeley, Weld County, Colorado, America, the world? We desperately need to hear you, God. And I pray over each of us that we will hear you individually and specifically today. Mm. Amen, church. Amen. We can go ahead and have a seat. Man, I read these verses. We've been in an ax for two and a half years. Wow. We're continuing to just fly through it. We're covering 10 verses today. Welcome to Acts 19. For those of you counting down, about four and a half more years will be done. It's good. I'm in no hurry. Are you? 
Like the lessons we're getting here in the Holy Spirit is what he's showing us is amazing in Acts. And so in these first 10 verses of Acts 19, I look at verse 1 and 2. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. They had not even heard at this point in time. Remember, this is the early church. This is only about 20 years after Jesus walked the earth. Like, there was no Twitter. You couldn't be like, hey, Jesus raised from the dead. Woo! Around the world. Like, 20 years, we got word of mouth here. They had not even heard that the Spirit had been poured out. They, in essence, were unaware of the Pentecost. That the Spirit was moving and getting poured out among his church, among men and women. They had not even heard this message. What I do want to point out is that when we join God for where he's moving, it's going to be a great ride. Where in your life has God asked you to move and to change and you were unaware of things going on in your life? And God has said, here's a new truth. Here's something I want to reveal about myself that you don't even know. But yet we can get so stuck in our traditions and the way that we've done it that we miss it. That we miss this thing that God's doing. And so here's people that they had been baptized. They had been baptized by John. And along comes this new, this new message that Paul's giving, this new message of freedom. And they say, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. In all of our lives, you've probably found this to be true, that requiring change is a risk. When God asks us to change, we're risking something. Like we're putting something on the line. And change awesome, oftentimes is met with resistance by people that know us and love us the most because they can see change in us and we are now unpredictable from the way that we've been in the past. Wow. You put a lot at risk when you change. And when you're willing to hear the message of God in our lives, and he says, move, but yet fear can keep us from moving. May we never be a church that is scared of change. May we never be a people that is not willing to risk everything when God says, change and move and do. I've got a new message for you. You only have part truth. Like, I want to show you and enlighten you to amazing things. Raise your hand if you want that revelation in your life. Amen. May we be a people that's willing to risk. If not, what we see right here in verse 1 and 2 is the difference between religion and relationship. Like those of you that grew up in the church, you're like, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. That was monotone and really cool. I like that. Well, if you really mean it, then you're willing to change and risk. Like if not, if these people that heard the first half of the message didn't change, they're just in religion. They're just following traditions and the way it's always been done. Along comes Paul, along comes Jesus, along comes the Holy Spirit and says, you know what? It's time to change. I'm moving. Are you willing to move? Whew, that's good. We get to verse 3 and 4. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. Amen. They failed to recognize Jesus as the one whom John had proclaimed as the promised Messiah coming. 
They, they failed to recognize this. They knew this baptism of John was about repentance, but they failed to recognize that Jesus was going to be the Messiah that had come. Keep in mind, this is only 20 years of word of mouth from when this great event of Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit has happened, and now this word of mouth is coming. They knew the baptism of repentance, but they did not know the baptism of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus. They didn't know it. They were unaware. Now, verse 5, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, Dree, we saw this a couple weeks ago, girl. Amazing. Amazing to celebrate baptism with you, church. We say when it comes to our physical baptism, like the one we had here in the trough a few weeks ago, that was fancy, wasn't it? The water was warm. That was good. But we, what we say about baptism, there's nothing special about that water. Nothing. It's just a very symbolic thing that happens. To be dipped under. The word baptismo, to be baptized, means to be dipped under. We see John baptized Jesus. He was dipped under. And as Christians, we dip under in church project. Not, not all sects of Christianity do that. But here at church project, we do. We dipped under the water. And it's very symbolic of the old man or woman being risen into new life. The old is there, the new is here. It's just symbolic. Jesus says, believe in your heart and be baptized, and that's why we are baptized. There's nothing special about that other than we align our lives to Jesus, saying, Jesus, you did it, you commanded it, I want you to be the Lord of all aspects of my life, and so I will even follow you into baptism because you said to be baptized. So I'd encourage some of us in this room, maybe it's time for you to be baptized. I don't like water. Well, I'll get it warm for you. We'll even give you a church project shirt. Whoa, now that's a clincher. <laughs> I mean, I get whole following the lordship of Jesus, uh, yeah, but the shirt, yeah. Like. John had prepared them well. I want to point this out. Like John had come before and he had prepared the way. And he had prepared them well. How do we know? Because it says in verse 5, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They immediately responded. Woo! What a good message, especially as a pastor and as a church. Like, I'm sexy. I'm really good looking. I'm talented. But if I win you over because of my looks or personality, we're in trouble. Some of you are like, shut up. Okay, I get it. Like, John's ministry pointed away from himself and towards God. So when you think of Church Project, do you think of Aaron Havens? Do you think of the band? Do you think, what do you think? Hopefully you think Jesus Christ. Hopefully you think his people and the movement of the Spirit. John had lived the message well, and he pointed them away from himself and to Jesus Christ. So when the Holy Spirit encountered truth and gave them truth, they were able to respond because it was about Jesus, not about John. May it be about, not even church project, may it be about Jesus in this place, amen? So when he says change, we're willing to change immediately. When he says be baptized, right now, let's go. Lord Jesus, may you be the Lord of all aspects of my life, amen. May this not be a personality-driven place. May this be a person-driven place, the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We say it this way at Church Project on those cute signs out there. We want to be biblical, we want to be simple, and we want to be relevant. We want to open the Bible. 
We want to talk. What does the Bible say on how to be a parent, on how I should think about this diagnosis of cancer? How should I live my life, and what should I do, and who do you say I am? Like, we want to be biblical in all aspects of our life, but we also want to be simple. Like, we don't need to flash this up. If we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, man, the Holy Spirit is going to meet us, and he's going to move us. Amen? That's what I want. But we're also going to be very relevant. We're going to talk a language that all of us are going to understand. It's really actually pretty simple, and I love doing church with you. I'm so proud of you for the changes that we're going through, and I cannot wait to see what God does next. This is our job. To be aware of what moments draw us towards God and push us away from God. In our everyday life, like even as you sit here right now and as you move and go about your day today and tomorrow and however many days God gives you breath as a gift, as Christians, our job is to be aware of the moments that draw us or push us away towards Christ. And I want to think about those two things, okay? And I'm going to put them in two different words, and one is consolation and one is desolation. I'm not smart enough to make these up, all right? Theologians came before me, and it's a pretty big thought here, and it comes from um, St. Ignatius, okay? I want to read this, and it's in your notes, but pay attention to this quote, okay, from St. Ignatius. We should not fix our desires on health or sickness, wealth or poverty, success or failure, a long life or a short one, for everything has the potential of calling forth in us a deeper response to our life in God. Our only desire and our one choice should be this. I want to choose what better leads me to God's deepening his life in me. Amen. I want to choose what better leads God's deepening his life in me. May that be our prayer. May that be what we aim for. God, what moments in our days compelling me, drawing me closer to you, consolation, or what moments are destroying or desolation, pushing me away from you? I want to notice these things in me. How do I respond to conflict? What's going on literally inside me? What's your spirit saying in every moment of every day? Being aware of that. Being little God finders as we try to find out who he is and what he's doing in our life. Now, this, this idea of consolation and desolation comes from a book that's called The Inner Compass by Margaret Still, um, Silf. And here's what she says about the idea of consolation and desolation. What do we mean when we talk of consolation and desolation? We are really only talking about an orientation in life, and the bottom line is this. Which direction is our life taking us? Towards God? That's consolation. Or away from him, that's desolation. And so when we're talking about consolation and desolation and being aware of what God is doing in our life, I want to talk about consolation first, the things that are drawing us to God. It directs our focus outside and beyond ourself when we're getting pulled closer to God. Consolation lifts our hearts so that we can see the joys and sorrows of other people. It's pulling us closer to God. It bonds us more closely to our human community. Consolation. 
It generates new inspiration and ideas. Amen for that. We pray that over us. Like God, whisper secrets into us so we will have new ideas and inspiration in our workplaces and the things that we're doing, how we talk and speak. That's getting drawn close to God. It restores consolation, restores balance, and refreshes our inner vision. Consolation shows us where God is active in our lives and where God is leading us. When we're drawing closer to God, we we recognize he's being active in our life and he's leading us towards himself. Consolation releases new energy in us. Isn't that the truth? If you've ever encountered me on a day where I'm dry and I'm all about me, I don't have a lot of energy and I'm kind of, I can't say that word. I'm not good. I caught myself. It releases new energy in us when God is pulling us closer to himself. Amen? Let's talk about desolation. And I don't know where you find yourself today. By the way, all moments of every day is being aware, is this pulling me closer to God or pushing me away from God? And to walk around going, God, I want to be drawn to you and to respond accordingly. So desolation turns us in on ourselves. Isn't that true? Man, I lived in, in a very super rich area in Houston, millionaires and lots of money. And the first thing I would say to these unhappy people is, who are you serving? Or is life about you and all about you? Desolation turns us in on ourselves. Desolation drives us down the spiral ever deeper into our own negative feelings, and we can't get out because we're trying to do it on our own. Desolation. Desolation cuts us off from community. Isn't that true? I am not happy. I'm depressed. I'm lonely. I don't want to be around people. I just want to drink Pepsi in my pajamas and stay home. No, 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 church. In fact, if you know someone that's like distancing themselves from coming on Sunday morning or first Wednesdays or house church, go get them. Pick them up and bring them because Satan wants to isolate us. He wants to give us every excuse, snowstorm, my big toes hurt, whatever it may be. Desolation, though, you'll find you'll be in this stage because it cuts us off from community. When was the last time you had coffee with someone in this room? Just because you love them. Just because you know you need community. Satan will cut us off and we will live in isolation if we're in the spiral of desolation. That rhymed. That was good. Desolation takes over our whole consciousness and crowds out our distant vision. We won't have distant vision anymore. Everything will be temporal and about today. uh, Desolation um, covers up all our landmarks of God doing incredible things in our life. Like we won't even recognize God doing incredible things in our life because our our vision is so short-term. Desolation. And desolation drains us of energy. It stinks to be depressed. It stinks to be lonely. It saps all energy when I'm running my way and not God's way. May we be a church that are energized by the Holy Spirit. We're getting fresh visions and we're in consolation mode saying, God, like, we want more of you. Amen? Here's our prayer. And I personally have been going through a thing called praxis. Isn't that fancy? Praxis. Oh, I'm in praxis. Incredible leaders in northern Colorado, spiritual leaders, and I've been meeting with them once a month for six months And already it's like, it's completely changed me, by the way. 
for those of you that are really close to me, you know, like it's changed me. I've been going through a time of just dry church project and just as an individual. And God brought along praxis to me and said, I want you to sit with some incredible men and women. And I want you to dive into the inner spirit of who I am and who I created you to be. And here's a prayer about consolation and desolation that I've been praying with leaders in northern Colorado over my life and all their lives as well. And here's the prayer that I pray over us. I ask for the grace to grow in my awareness of the moment of my spirit toward or away from God and to know myself as deeply loved. So I literally want to pray this over you right now. God, I pray for myself and Church Project for the grace to grow in our awareness of the movements of my spirit towards and away from you, God, and to know myself as deeply loved. Amen. Let's get to verse 6 through 10. I won't read through those again because I'm talking too long again. You can read them, but let me talk about them. Verse 6. Throughout Acts, the Spirit comes in various ways, and you see that when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Wow, what a big verse. Maybe we should spend a whole message on this verse. I'm just going to, so talk about it in your house, church, okay? Through Acts, the Spirit comes in various ways. I just want to say this. We see it, the Spirit comes in various ways, and Acts Never take this as a description or, or as a prescription, but take it as a description. It's not like God's going to do it the same way every time. It's not a prescription, but it's definitely a description of what God's doing and how the Spirit's moving. And so they're aware of that. The Spirit is coming in different ways through the book of Acts. By the way, we're in the book of Acts right now. Like, be aware that the Spirit's going to move in our lives in different ways as well, right? Acts. Um, records what um, occurred and not what should occur every time. And this does not say that tongues always accompanies baptisms, that they start speaking in tongues. It doesn't say every time you're going to baptize, you're going to come out of the water speaking in tongues. It doesn't say that. It did happen here, though. Amen? It's kind of like this. Here's a good way to describe the difference between description and prescription. Can you recall in the book of Proverbs where it says, train up in the child in the way they should go and they will not depart from the Lord? Can you recall that? That doesn't say if you train up the way, a child in the way of the Lord, they will never depart from the Lord. It's not saying because you do that, here's a prescription that will happen every time. In the book of Proverbs saying, train up a child in the way they should, they should go and they will not depart from the way of the Lord. It's saying as parents, our job is to train them up and trust that God's going to do his thing in their life. Because sit with a that, uh, parent that's tried to train up their child and prayed for him and the child has chosen to go against God. That can be a condemning place as a parent. And that's not what God's come to do. He's come to set us free. So when we see that God's moving and the Holy Spirit's moving in different ways, may we say, God, you did it different in the book of Acts, and may you do it different in my life today. Amen, church? Wow. We also see here that they prophesied, and if you want to really dive into the theology and the nerdiness of this, here's what that means. It implies that they had a bold proclamation of the gospel. 
So prophesying means I'm proclaiming the gospel boldly. Like they were baptized, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they boldly proclaimed the gospel wherever they went. May that be us, church. Let's get to verse 9. This is another little nerdy kind of thing in verse 9. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. They started talking bad about Christians. That was called the way. So Paul left them, and he took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture halls of Tyrannus. If you want to read a biblical, an extra-biblical writing called the Codex of Beze, um, here's what they say about the school of Tyrannus. Paul worked his trade during the regular business hours, then taught from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. when most of the city was at rest. So because the synagogue, the people, the Jewish people were starting to raise such a fuss, he goes over and says, you know what? I'll do my day job over here. And when the city's sleeping in at rest, I'm going to be teaching where there's Gentiles in this place right here. I'm going to proclaim this godly message when everyone else is resting. Isn't that cool? That was, I thought so. Verse 10, we get there. This went on for two years. So that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the providence of Asia heard the words of the Lord. And if you read this in the message version, the message translation of the Bible, this is what verse 10 reads like, and I really like it. He did this for two years, giving everyone in the province of Asia, Jews as well as Greeks, ample opportunity to hear the message of the master. Makes me want to put on a suit and tie. The message of the master. Paul worked a full-time job, taught in his off time. The Holy Spirit kept moving. It wasn't just moving in the Jewish people. It was moving in the Gentile. He was moving in the Gentile people as well. And all this was so what? The message of the master would be known. Consolation versus desolation. Are you sensitive to what God is doing in your life? I ask for the grace to grow in my awareness of the movement of my spirit toward and away from God and to know myself as deeply loved. Amen. Church, would you just bow your heads? Man, God, what an incredible message today. God, would you show us in our lives where tradition and religion has silenced your spirit, your movement in my life? Where I, like, like Ryan just said, I put my hand in a jar, I grab the fruit, and I can't get it out. Like, I'm stuck there. God, you're asking us to release that piece of fruit to run in freedom. Whew. Would you show us or our tradition or religion or our pride or whatever has caused us to be stuck. And when your spirit wants to set us free and move us. God, what do you want to awaken in us today? 
Church, just put out your hands in an open way, palms open, just saying, God, I'm going to put anything in my hands and give it to you, and I receive anything you want to show me today. Show us what you want to awaken in us today. God, we declare that where your spirit is moving, that's where we want our lives to be and be about. And as we sit here, church, just think about from the time you woke up till today, right now, this moment. What moments were there of beautiful consolation where God was drawing us closer to himself? That's a gift. Thank God for that. Had nothing to do with us, everything about his spirit. So think back on those moments today alone that we would, we would call consolation where God was drawing us closer to himself. We were more alive in that moment. And thank God for that. And likewise, where moments today, we would, we would call it moments of desolation, moments where we found ourselves repelling or going further away from God. And God, may we repent of that. May we ask for your grace to move forward in that and to align ourselves more like you. May you have the lordship over all of our life and all aspects of our life. And then church, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask us in this place, just with your, your head bowed and eyes closed, like I gotta believe in, in moments like this that the spirit is moving in all of our lives and maybe some of us in this place I want to ask us a question. Do you have an active relationship with God? One where you would say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. I believe in his, his blood that covers over all of my sin, that he's the Messiah and the Savior, the author, the beginning of life, and the end of life. He is everything. Does that describe your relationship, an active relationship with God? And maybe some people in this room for the first time, you're going to call out on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, God, I repent. I ask forgiveness of living life on my own. And I want you in my life. Direct me, guide me. If that's you in this room today, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and say, I want to call on the name of the Lord Jesus today for the first time. Amen. Amen. In your chair, response cards. Write down prayer requests. Write down what God's moving and doing because he's moving and doing. You can put that in the offering in the back as you leave, that little black box. We want to know and celebrate what God's doing in your life. God, thank you for moving. Continue to move and prod us. Draw us closer to you. And may we notice those moments where you're drawing us closer to you. God, we want the full message. We want your Holy Spirit to teach us and show us what it is, who you are and who we are in you. Thank you for the grace to know who you are and know who we are in you. May we align ourselves more clearly with you every single day.